There's so many SaaS applications now. There are so many different ways people access their corporate environment, access their data. It's beyond the scope of what internal IT can manage and what leadership within an organization can actually attest to what they're doing proactively. So they need third-party organizations to help them. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Incident Report presented by Quest Technology Management. I'm Paul Burke, Director of Technology Communications. Every week, I'm joined by VP of Sales and Partnerships, Adam Burke. The Incident Report brings you conversations with thought leaders, business innovators, and channel mavericks to help you stay productive and agile in a changing technology landscape. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Incident Report. It's another episode. One of your two hosts, Paul Burke, and across from me, Adam Burke. How are you doing? Good, Paul. Excited to be here. Fully, fully recovered and um, back in the saddle. Excited to be here, Paul. We're both well rested. It was a busy week last week. It was Channel Partners Expo. The conference was huge, over 8,000 people attending. And what a floor. I have so many people. It was a great time. Definitely a weekend to recoup was necessary. A lot of time on the expo floor, a lot of time walking around, getting some steps. We have a tradition of participating in running the channel every year, which is a lot of fun for those brave enough to get up at 7 a.m. and run along the strip. But there's about 50 of us in the channel who've been doing that for about eight years now, which is a lot of fun. It is a great, great event. There's a great picture of you guys out at the Vegas sign. I got to post that. Yeah, everyone made it down there. I think it's about a little bit of a 10K kind of a, a run. So it was it was a blast. Really, really cool to see people doing that. Yeah, around that time, I was enjoying a $12 juice downstairs at the Venetian. Was it worth $12? Well, it, it was pretty delicious. I'm not going to lie. Good stuff. So the event, Channel Partners, had over 350 sponsors and exhibitors. And like you said, you're putting in steps if you're going to cover that entire space. That is a lot of sponsors and exhibitors. Yeah, the expo was, was pretty massive. Quest has been a sponsor for Channel Partners Expo. It's a good excuse to get everybody together at the same place. Some of our large TSP sponsors were there, right? So got to see them at their lounges and their expo exhibits. So that was a lot of fun. A lot of new suppliers in the channel. A lot of people who historically you haven't seen in the channel. We saw some system integrators there. We saw some software as a service providers there. Different toolkits, different angles. A lot of MSPs wandering the show floor. Historically, it's always been kind of that telecommunications agent broker type partner, but we were seeing um, a lot of different people at the show that was, you know, a little bit different agency base. It's interesting to see how they're all building their business models and trying to trying to help customers. Were you getting any sort of focus, any particular vibe from the event? As I was walking the floor, saw cybersecurity everywhere. That seemed to be a focus for a lot of different exhibitors. Yeah, you see, you see waves of talking points and solutions kind of rolled through the channel. It was SD-WAN a few years ago, UCAS and CCAS. A lot of people are promoting, you know, advanced artificial intelligence, AI, CCAS models, right? And then also, yeah, cybersecurity is a, is a big one. Everyone in the agent community is trying to figure out how to break into the cybersecurity market. That's mm. what I think a lot of the, um, some of the consultants and people who drive that where, where's your next, where's your next incre incremental dollar revenue going to come from are, are telling the agent community that, that it's cybersecurity. And we are seeing vendor trying to figure out how to get involved in their customers, cybersecurity practice. And from what we're seeing from the vendors out there, there are a lot of 
point solutions and kind of security offerings trying to target specific things that were at the show. It was interesting to see that for sure. Yeah, it was interesting. I learned so much just walking around the um, event and channelfeatures.com put together a great article, the most memorable quotes from CP Expo 2023. So I thought it'd be good just to kind of go through them. I'd love your thoughts about this, Adam. Um, kind of bringing your, your knowledge set into this would be really helpful. I love these events because you're walking around, you're experiencing all these booths, you're hearing unique perspectives, which you can agree with or disagree with. And sometimes you don't even have to collect the quotes. It's done by a website. Of course, I'm talking about channelfutures.com. They collected the most memorable quotes of 2023 at the expo. And Adam, I wanted to go over these with you, get your thoughts, get your perspective on them. How do you feel about that? Yeah, let's run through it. That sounds good. Great. First up, during a keynote in which channel thought leaders detailed pivoting, scaling amid a time of flux, Lucas Salvage, who is a chief revenue officer and partner at Keros Data Communications, said it's an excellent time for hiring. He said, find out who's moving and who's shaking and what suppliers are getting rid of great people because we have seen incredible assets being released. The supplier community is doing us a favor because I think what we're seeing is these people are incredible folks. We will certainly gobble them up and create more of a strategic brand and strategic organization. Yeah, I actually got to sit in on this session and uh, it was interesting because every every single one of these partners, there are about four or five folks in different kind of strategic and tech technology advisors on the stage. Lucas mentioned that, you know, the organizations, the suppliers are, are releasing people and people are going through layoffs. And there are some great relationship builders that have been in the channel for a long time. So as, you know, the trusted advisor community looks to grow and scale, sometimes vendors release, throw everything out at the same time. And, and there, there is some good talent out there. That's an investment to make maybe during, during a recession or during a downturn. A big strategy that I heard consistently was investing, right? There's a lot of organizations talking about investing in your channel programs and investing in your sales teams. Obviously it's a sales conference. So everyone there is talking their book as far as, Hey, keep going, right? Because it's a sales conference, but it was interesting to hear that. I heard that from a lot of different partners that they're, they're investing in more channel resources and more sales folks. Eric Townsend, a technology consultant for Dell Expert Network, urged the audience during his keynote to focus on mad technologies, security and automation as three ways to grow business. He said, understand how your machines are going to work together, how you add intelligence to them, and what data you're actually capturing. That, that type of automation, there was some artificial intelligence, automation, and Internet of Things uh, discussions going on at the conference. And that was interesting to see around the, the integration of those different types of technologies and security automation. I didn't quite see a nicely baked, like cohesive plan from anyone specifically. There's always the... The automation around visibility and alerting, and then there's the resolution process and how those two things actually happen. We were on a call just today with a client who is really trying to understand, you know, hey, I want I want a single dashboard and visibility of all my network components, mm -hmm. but I also I'm also expecting that this same platform is going to remediate any potential vulnerabilities or exploits that are discovered. Um, and some platforms are there, but it's, it's pretty rarefied air in that world. I think that's a little bit 
future. Good things to come, not quite there yet from a reality standpoint. So that quote's kind of like the concept vehicle at a car expo. You see it, you admire it, you appreciate it, you ask, where is the plan to drive this? And they say, well, we don't really have that, but it's a neat concept, right? Yeah, well, and, and then capturing the data, right? So, so Eric mentioned the idea of what intelligence are you actually gathering? We've been doing monitoring and managed services for 20 plus years. And the hardest thing to do are those tuning sessions and getting alerts that actually are actionable. And mm -hmm. you can actually communicate those risks to your clients. There's so much noise on the network. There's a, you got to really figure out a way to quiet it and figure out what's, what's actionable, what's important. So speaking of noise, ThreatLocker co-founder Danny Jenkins had a great quote about the noise that his engineers and employees were dealing with on a constant basis. In fact, he tested his employees, sending them a option to download something they should not. And he said the results were pretty disappointing. He admitted, we are a cybersecurity company. We do trainings every single month. We have engineers, we have controls, everything. Yet, when Jenkins launched an attack to see how many employees would respond correctly, one third of them took the bait. Yeah. And those are, those are smart cybersecurity professionals, people who are in the industry. That's, that's someone who, I mean, your company is built on security. So the, the weakest link consistently is people. ThreatLocker is a, is a tool that helps organizations from a security perspective kind of remove some of that personality conflict as far as, hey, you know, securing the edge and running traffic through a simulation before it gets to the edge and has to go through rules. So it was cool to see him on stage talking about that. And then also, hey, it's people are going to make mistakes. You have to have security layers in, in place in order to address, you know, what inevitably is going to happen. Someone's going to click the link. Someone's going to download the file. It's like you said before, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And just be sure to have the correct systems in place. Um, is it just me or was there a lot of M&A discussions? Yeah, the, the uh, private equity and banking community was, was fully in attendance. And there is private money and investment coming into the channel pretty aggressively. A lot of trusted advisors and brokers and suppliers and things like that are going through consolidation. All of the big TSBs have acquired other organizations. They've merged. They've, the majority of them have all taken you know, private equity investment and are going through that. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of the individual brokers, the, the people who have existing bases of clients, they're taking investment as well. The deal flow has significantly slowed down. Now the interest rates have kind of spiked up pretty quickly, but it certainly is a, a big topic of discussion. The, the first organization to do this was back when ScanSource bought Intellisys. And that was kind of the first giant one. They're a public company and you can kind of see how that's going in their, in their records that are published every quarter. And then you had the private firms like Planet One that was acquired by, by Avant, TSG that was acquired by Tolaris. And there's a lot of other acquisitions that have gone on in the channel as well. But yeah, it was, it's all over. There's, there's investment money chasing those, those residual incomes for sure. Some people like that and some people don't. Some people are, are hesitant about the ramifications of that money coming into the channel. Not from a, hey, they don't want people to, to have a successful exit, which is a lot of organizations' goals is to have a successful exit, build up a company and then you know, successfully sell it. I don't think that's where the nervousness comes in. I think a lot of people are, are concerned that private equity and that type of fund is going to change the nature of some of the um, 
organizations that were historically private mm. and historically had a little bit more flexibility around their balance sheet and how they made decisions. Because private equity can sometimes have a bad reputation as, you know, they're spreadsheet people. They operate from spreadsheets, they don't, and the channel's big relationship. That divergence there between, hey, let's, let's talk out this deal, let's figure it out, let's, let's understand what it means for all parties involved. Some people are concerned. I don't see this as necessarily a risk. I think people who are investing in the channel have taken the time for the most part to understand the culture, but there is that concern, right? That you get a Wall Street, Gordon Gecko type person in there and it's just all about the uh, spreadsheet and the dollars, so. Well, and I wanted to ask you, and this might seem like a really basic question, but maybe somebody out there with me is wondering, does private equity money drive channel growth? Because private equity, since they're more kind of spreadsheet people, or at least that's kind of the, the stereotype, they're more spreadsheet people, that they see the returns in the channel. So they're encouraging those companies they acquire or, or investing into, they're pushing the channel more, but at the same time, they're not allowing freedom within the channel. Does that, does that make sense what I'm saying? The thing that you've come to learn about private equity is private equity is a business in and of itself. And you can apply it to any different type of service industry, any type of manufacturing industry, any, any type of industry out there. Private equity runs the play of private equity regardless of what the underlying asset is. Now, you have, you have private equity people who specialize in different industries, but private equity game is you raise a bunch of money, you put it in a fund, you have a thesis of what you're going to go do, you go deploy that capital, and then you have basically anywhere between a two to six year, usually five year return on that capital, and you're trying to sell it to the next guy, the next large private equity firm or the next organization, right? So you increase EBITDA and that's kind of the game played. Munger and Warren Buffett, they just had the... Um, Berkshire Hathaway partnership hoopla in, in Omaha and, and Munger thinks that, thinks that EBITDA is, is complete garbage because mm. it's not, it's not complete garbage, but it's, it's what private equity kind of bases their, their multiple on. Like if you, if you buy someone for five times EBITDA, mm. your goal is to grow that EBITDA and hopefully to a, where it's valued at selling it for eight to 10 times, or mm -hmm. you have to buy it at 10, you want to, you want to sell it for 15. So you kind of continue to expand. It doesn't really change the cash flow or, or anything like that. It's, it's kind of a, a little bit of a game there. And that's, that's what some people are concerned about is like, does that game that private equity is interested in match what the trusted advisor and technology service broker community's objectives is, which is enabling the sales channel, enabling the best options for the client to select, bringing the, the best suppliers to market, in theory, a lot of those things are going to align. Sometimes they might, they might not. And, you know, sometimes that's what I think people are concerned about when private equity gets involved. Okay, great. That's really helpful. Again, if you want to check out the article, the link is in the description. But for now, we're moving on to fortune.com. Adam, you found this article. I think it's important to discuss this. And by discuss this, I mean, I'm going to read parts of it and you're going to respond. The cost of cybersecurity insurance is soaring and the state-backed attacks will be harder to cover, it's time for companies to take threats more seriously. What did you think of the piece, Adam? The, the cyber insurance and the cybersecurity insurance, you know, it continues. I know we've talked about this before, but if we continue to see it skyrocketing and we continue to see that coverage rates can be decreasing and 
organizations are really needing to attest to their capabilities as well as when they're going through a renewal cycle for their cybersecurity insurance, their providers, their partners, their business partners are evaluating their securing their enterprise. We're seeing more and more threats come out, more and more automation coming out. Um, and we're seeing insurers reject claims. So I was reading through this article and we're seeing insurance rates continuing to rise around 80% or insurers are, are, are continually like scrutinizing organization cybersecurity practices. So Quest is seeing this, we're seeing this with our clients, we're seeing this with our partners. So we're putting together and we have put together in conjunction with some underwriters and some organizations that are creating specific cybersecurity insurance policies. We're helping to continually monitor any vulnerabilities, as well as how the outside world perceives that organization. It's a continuous reputational monitoring service. It helps organizations know how they're portraying themselves to the outside world. And then what it also helps is it helps that underwriter, that organization that is providing the cybersecurity insurance, know that the organization they're insuring is consistently monitoring and making improvements on potential vulnerabilities because there's so many SaaS applications now. There are so many different ways people access their corporate environment, access their data. It's beyond the scope of what internal IT can manage and what leadership within an organization can actually attest to what they're doing proactively. So they need third-party organizations to help them. In the article, there's items like ransomware is continuing to cost organizations anywhere on average between four to five million dollars. And Quest, we're seeing organizations deal with half the coverage at sometimes two times the rate, right? So if you had $10 million in coverage last year that costed you $50,000, you're paying 500K this year for $5 million in coverage. It's a big deal. And we're working with business leaders all the time to help help address that. And I think it's important to note that if you get attacked, you may not know for months. An attack can last a minute, it can last for months. An organization doesn't know they're vulnerable and people have been in and out of there for months. With some we also work on, and we're, we're seeing this and we're adapting all the time because we have to. We talked a little about private equity in the channel. We're seeing mergers and acquisitions. Quest is helping out from a due diligence standpoint for our clients and for our partners who are acquiring new organizations, new teams, bringing on new talent. We're helping them with a couple of different ways. We're doing merger and acquisitions, kind of technology roadmaps, mm -hmm. but then we're also doing what's called a ransomware assessment where we go in and we look at those, those logs for the past 90 days. We do a full basically security posture assessment of their different areas of that organization and say, hey, is there anything going on in this environment that could potentially be a threat or an exploit that just hasn't triggered yet. Sometimes they're triggered by dates. Sometimes they're triggered by activities. Sometimes they're triggered by backups. There's all sorts of different kind of catalysts that can launch an attack. It's not the big guys. It's not only the massive organizations that are dealing with this. It's small and medium businesses that are, are getting hit all the time. And you always mention this, the ransomware, they're not interested in names. They're just looking for access. And if they find access, they're going to take advantage of you. Yeah. And, and, you know, back to, back to the agency community, there are agents out there, not the kind of agents we work with, obviously, but there are agents out there that, that 
the same agent model and referral model and partnership model that we have in the security world where organizations bring us in to help, you know, modernize an organization's security posture or help them through an event. Mm. There's bad actors who do that too. There's bad actors who broker access inside threats, people who are actively selling credentials, selling access, selling knowledge base about, hey, what type of firewall does this company run? What type of email security do they run? Who's their key players? How does that all work? Happens all the time. And that's, then they're getting paid for that information based on what that bad actor gets from, um, gets back from a threat. So I thought the Fortune article kind of did a great summary of the business impact into the actual corporations and what the cost is, what's this actually costing people at the end of the day. I know we're just scratching the surface on these topics. If listeners want to learn more about reputational analysis, cybersecurity, what do you suggest? Where should they go? We're available 24-7 to assist. We do some workshops. We run a cybersecurity workshop, a risk management workshop. If they want to learn more about the process or anything around that, we have some great content and some great resources on our website. It's uh, questsys.com that go over what we're seeing from a cybersecurity trend standpoint. You know, we go through things that are things that are simple, like, hey, what's the difference between two-factor authentication, for example, and multi-factor authentication, mm. right? And is there a difference between my information security policies versus my cybersecurity like framework? What's all this marketing mumbo jumbo mean? So we, we try to break it down. We try to make it simple. We want to make sure people are have the data they need. So if you go to questis.com, go to the resources tab. There's fantastic newsletters, simple stories, blogs, videos, good stuff there for everyone to check out. I'll be sure to add that link in the description as well. So Adam, thank you for breaking down the quotes, the article, really appreciate it. Everybody listening, thank you for being here and we will see you next week. Thanks everyone. Have a great week. Thanks so much for listening. The Incident Report is brought to you by Quest Technology Management. With over 40 years of experience, Quest is a leading technology integrator working seamlessly with your staff and systems to achieve your IT goals. Learn more about everything they do at questsys.com. And if you have questions or suggestions for the podcast, you can always email Adam and myself at theincidentreport at questsys.com. We hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time.